Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Marie. What are you up to later? Want to join me for happy hour? I'm all in. And guess what's amazing? Our listeners and friends of the podcast can also join us because Brave New Teaching Happy Hour has officially launched. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. We are officially hanging out a little bit longer after school with an extended extra private podcast feed just for you. Yes. Members of Happy Hour get extra 15 minutes of the podcast, give or take, because you know us, we run a little bit long. It's just kind of how we are. But if you would like to get in on this Happy Hour action, please join us. It is only $5 a month. Head to curriculumrehab.com slash happy hour and get yourself signed up because when you're there, Amanda, tell our friends what we do every month for our Happy Hour members. I think my favorite part is coming up with a new free resource for our listeners every month. And then we pretty much break down that resource and how to use it. We also like to have guests on to do extended episodes and even Q&A that's just for you about that resource. It's really exclusive and super private just for you. So if you are like us and you like hanging out, you like chit-chatting about all things that are teaching, teacher life, and everything under that umbrella, join us for happy hour and we will see you there. Bye. Bye. Well, hello and welcome back to Brave New Teaching, everyone. It is Amanda. I am one half of the Brave New Teaching duo. And today I'm bringing you a solo episode. It's going to be just you and I today. Occasionally, Marie and I have to break up for a little bit because life just gets really hard with, you know, we're a small business, we're two moms, and we live in two different time zones. So recording here at the beginning of the year has been pretty rough. So uh, we're bringing you a solo episode this week, and I am so pumped to talk to you about something that I've actually done, and I don't think Marie has. So in this case, I think I've got a little bit of expertise and experience, and I'm so excited because I haven't really talked about this very much on any other platform. So today, I'd like to bring you an idea, something to sit in the back of your mind and, you know, let it pop in every time you're in the shower or driving and think, huh, how can I do what Amanda was talking about? And what I'm talking about is makerspace in the atypical classroom, right? So if you're a history teacher, a humanities teacher, a driver's ed teacher, right? If you're teaching English, if you're teaching something that's not typically considered STEM, we don't often find ourselves in the makerspace, right? Like that's just not where we find ourselves or even considering makerspace types of projects. And I think that a makerspace project or two during the school year can be incredibly powerful, especially for ELA students. That's just my area of expertise. So that's what I want to share with you today is how to 
create projects that are going to be both meaningful, aligned with your skills, aligned with your essential question, but also hands-on, crafty, messy, a little silly, and how to make those things all come together into one happy project and just kind of maybe a week or three days or something that you can you can sit back and you can watch students create. And we all know that having the opportunity to do that as the teacher, not only does that give us the much needed mental space to either focus on another one of your sections or do some grading, um, you know, because you're not actively, right, collecting something at the moment. But we know that this helps relationships, classroom environment, it shakes things up. It gives you the chance to float and meander through groups of kids covered in Mod Podge and baby oil or (laughs) whatever it might be. You get to see kids in a totally different light. And that's incredibly important for building the fabric of your classroom community. So enough with all that. I am bringing you today makerspace ideas and how to get started for the ELA and other types of humanities classroom. Let's jump right in. You're listening to Brave New Teaching, a podcast for educators challenging the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a high school English teacher in Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm also a high school English teacher in Southern California. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. All right, everyone, before we jump in, I just want to send a big thank you to everyone who's taken the time to leave us a review on iTunes. You know, as a small kind of startup podcast, it really means the world to us when you do have the chance to sit down and type out something that means, it just means so much to us when you share with us how this podcast has helped you in your career. Uh, And I wanted to share a recent review with you that just warmed our hearts. Sarah Daisy, she wrote for us, the best. The Brave New Teaching Podcast is hands down the most inspirational teacher podcast out there. I am in my 20th year of teaching and Amanda and Marie have re-energized my passion, drive, and creativity. Every time I listen, I walk away with a nugget that has helped transform my teaching in some way. This podcast is the best. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. That really means a lot to us. And you guys, just a little review goes such a long way in helping our ratings grow. And and we are not here to even really grow ratings. We, We genuinely want to reach more teachers and help more teachers. So if you can help us by leaving a review, and that's going to get out to more people. They're going to be more easily able to find us. And we just would be so ever appreciative of that. So thank you very much. And don't forget the Dystopia Festival, our fall festival is heading, uh, getting very, very close already. Um, September 27th, everything kicks off. And we're going to have five days of PD and training on all things dystopia. Yes, we mean it all things from how to write a literature circle unit with dystopian books, to how to teach a whole class novel, um, to how to pick out supplementary texts, how to write essential questions, how to teach the genre itself. We're going to take our time helping you and giving you free professional development all week, all week. So if you haven't already, pause me right here, 
go leave a little review, go register for the festival. All of the links for all of the things can be found in our show notes for today. And we will love to see you over there. If you're listening to this episode past September of 2021, we will have these trainings still available to you. So please still follow the show notes and the links will direct you toward how to get a hold of all that content and access the professional development no matter when you are coming to see us. All right, guys, let's get started. So makerspace in the ELA classroom. I'm going to say ELA because that's where I'm at, but please feel free to imagine your own content area in the blanks here. Um, but this is this is something that is a recent passion of mine. I, I don't think that this was something even really on my radar when makerspace became a thing. It took me a while to wrap my head around why it was even worth my time. And so I want to share with you guys today, one, how to build a makerspace in your classroom if you don't already have one in your building. Two, the types of activities that are perfect for a makerspace in ELA or other humanities classes. And thirdly, I want to walk you through a very specific project that I did with my students that was a really, really good time. And I haven't gotten a chance to talk about anywhere else. So let's jump in with number one, and that's how to build a makerspace. Okay, so we spend a long time as English teachers building classroom libraries. And that is a valiant effort. I remember going to Goodwill and all kinds of like used book sales at libraries, like the entire summer before my first year of teaching, thinking I had to have a whole library built before my first year. And little did I know, that was definitely not the case. And I I didn't even really learn how to use a classroom library till much later on. And it really helped when I learned that building a classroom library should be more intentional than accidental or desperate even. Um, The more desperate I was to throw titles in there, it didn't necessarily mean kids were attracted to those books. But when I started actually reading and curating selections of books from my library, kids got more interested. And I knew my library better because I was only putting in books that I knew for sure, either from myself or friends on Instagram I knew who had reviewed them were really worth being there. And that was really helpful. The same kind of goes for a makerspace. If your school doesn't already have a makerspace. So my school that I just came from, they did. They had an entire section of their library called the makerspace, and we could check it out and reserve time in there. And it was amazing. But if you don't have that luxury, which I don't think many schools do, I was pretty shocked that my school had this. If your school does not, it's really easy to build a makerspace within your own classroom. A makerspace can be mobile, like you could combine efforts with other teachers in your department. Maybe you guys can grab a cart that's not being used. A makerspace can be built on a cart. It could be built in a a empty bookshelf, which I'm sure you don't have any empty bookshelves. Let's be honest. Maybe you need to get a bookshelf. Um, It can be in crates. It doesn't need to be on display is what I'm trying to say. Your makerspace materials can be organized and put away and only busted out when you need to use them. Um, So a closet works fine too. You don't need to have an actual space, right, available 24-7. Because for really, makerspace projects is what we're talking about, not daily use. So don't think that you have to have something like permanently dedicated to this space. A rolling cart, a three-tiered cart, that's all perfect. So what are some things that you'd want to have in a makerspace, cart, closet, whatever it might be? 
Um, some things that are going to be really nice to have on hand, if this is going to be something that you want to be able to go to for a variety of reasons throughout the school year, things like a green screen, right? Having maybe the makings of a green screen. I like to use filming and props for a lot of my makerspace activities, fabric scraps, uh, headless Legos, you know, you name it, go raid your, you know, sister-in-law's basement for whatever kind of neglected toys there are. Toys are awesome for reenactments. Popsicle sticks, you can get those by the gallon for very, very inexpensive. Uh, hot glue guns and then hot glue. Paint chips are great. Just start, you know, every time you go to Home Depot, you need to take a couple samples, okay? Scissors, a collection of scissors. Sharpie markers are really, really important. Uh, chalk and paper, all kinds of different paper that's coming from, you know, if you're in your 30s, you probably went through a phase in your teen slash 20s where you were scrapbooking. <laughs> and if you still have access to all the leftovers of that scrapbooking phase, this is the time to go visit your parents' basement and go grab it, right? So a makerspace is full of odds and ends. It doesn't need to be a pristinely organized, you know, differently from our libraries. It doesn't need to be organized in any kind of even perfect way. It's a really beautiful way to recycle materials that weren't going to get used in other places. So like I said, if you if you yourself have children, you probably have leftover scraps of stuff all over the place, whether that's fabric, whether that's elastic, whether that's glue, whatever it might be, paper, you name it, all of that can be thrown into a makerspace. Kids will, when they see stuff there, find ways to use it, which is the beauty of a makerspace. So don't feel like it needs to be some kind of really thought out plan. And then similar to your classroom library, you can add to it just a little bit each year. It doesn't need to be one year you go all out and you build the whole thing. That's another good reason to maybe combine efforts with another teacher in your grade level or your department and work together on it. Um, And if one year you're going to build your classroom library, maybe the next year you build your makerspace a little bit more and you go back and forth and alternate each year. Those are just some really quick and easy ideas that you can use. Please also feel free to use the Google for this as well. Google's got lots of really good ideas. Okay, secondly, you're probably wondering, okay, what kinds of activities am I going to do in a makerspace with the novel that I'm reading or the rhetorical analysis that I'm doing? Cardenas, I teach AP Lang. What am I going to do in a makerspace? Okay, so check that attitude at the door because here we go. The frame of mind you want to have for makerspace is this. Silly plus analysis. The what kids do or make can be ridiculous. It can even be just pointless. The point of whatever the project or creation or thing the kids are making comes at the conclusion. Okay, so what I mean by that is whatever you're going to ask your kids to make, the defense of why they made what they made and how they made it that's where we get either the writing practice, the speaking and listening practice, the presentation practice, and the analysis practice or argument practice is on the backside. So let's just take a very simple example, right? Maybe you're going to tell your students, I want you to select the moment in our novel that had the most frightening 
overlaps with our current society, right? Because you're you're reading dystopia. So the the most frightening dystopian moments from the novel because it overlaps with something from our current society. So okay, so kids are going to dig back through their books, maybe you even give them a top 10 list to pick from, right? That makes things a little bit more equitable because then even if kids haven't read the entire book, they have their top 10 list, they can go and be become experts on that one section. So they choose their section, they grab a couple headless Legos, they put them on the green screen, and they make their little reenactment of this scene, okay? So they're having a blast, right? They're playing with Legos, they're grabbing wood chips, they're doing whatever, and they're making this scene, having a blast, doing it. Your control is in how much time they have to do that, right? They could do this in a class period, right? You could say, boom, I want this done in 25 minutes. Or you could want something more elaborate, and it could be three or four days. Totally up to you. But what you're grading and what you're assessing is on the backside, is when students then present, either individually, in pairs, in a group, this is the scene, and here's why we cast this particular Lego in this role. Here's why we chose this detail and this detail. Here's why we chose this scene overall. It's because. So you're going to get the because and the how and the why on the other side. So feel free to just go go nuts, you know, have fun with your project ideas. Um, they're they're going to be meaningful in different ways. Another idea recently, my friend Molly from um, That Awkward Teacher on Instagram, I loved Molly, and I, I'm not sure if Molly took this from somebody else either, but Molly did what a lot of us have seen before, which is the six-word memoir, and she grabbed a bunch of chalk, and they wrote their six-word six word memoirs outside. And so that became a maker moment where the writing of students not only was able to transcend their own lives, they were able to publicly share something meaningful with their student body. Everyone walked by those chalk marks and those messages, and kids got to get out there, get their hands a little messy, and they used chalk. And they wrote their six-word memoirs somewhere other than on Google Classroom. That's such a great idea. I love that one too. Some other ideas you can do. So I said already, recreating a scene, um, you can have students perform, and I say that in air quotes, right? They can perform it in front of each other. So they could, um, the whole class could be watching there in the moment. You could have them record that stuff. I love filming in the classroom and putting those filmed moments up on Flipgrid. Flipgrid is an amazing tool for giving students the opportunity to view each other's work. So if they film their scene, they record it, they put it up on Flipgrid, the other groups can then come into Flipgrid and watch them on their own time. So if you don't have enough time for everyone to present, kids could watch the other people's scenes, other group scenes uh, for homework on Flipgrid. Super easy, really cool. I love (laughs) any idea that's goofy. I mean, you could have kids building things out of popsicle sticks. You can have students really doing anything that's going to require their hands to get a little messy, building costumes, right, for a particular character. Um, you you name it, it's all possible in a makerspace, whatever that might be. So let me, let me take you into my favorite experience in makerspace. That's our number three for today, where we're going to wrap up. And that is what we created for a Gatsby unit and also for a Fahrenheit unit. I've done this in two separate capacities. I've also done this with poetry, and what I created with my students was called a tone bottle, a tone bottle. So let's talk about number three, tone bottles. 
Tone is a skill that my students really struggle with. They really struggled and grappled with coming up with the exact right tone words. I mean, I'm sure you can relate if this is something that's on your agenda. And so I had seen this idea from another teacher on Google and I thought, wow, like let's do this. And so I kind of combined my ideas from a bunch of different sources online. This is not my original idea, but the gist is this. The kids are given a passage, whether it's from a poem, it's from a moment in Fahrenheit or Gatsby, whatever you're teaching, where they're going to do an analysis of the tone. Now, for me, I was really interested in them recognizing a tone shift. So I wanted there to be a beginning tone, a shift, right? And then it moving into this other place, right? Whether it started hopeful and ended dark and gloomy or vice versa or something all different altogether. So the bottle, okay, so remember this is makerspace, but the first thing kids are doing is reading a passage and determining the initial tone, the turn, and the final, the final tone of the piece. This is a very academic beginning to a very silly maker project. So they do that first, and then I had them make a bottle. And these bottles you'll see on Pinterest or Google, they're the relaxing bottles that you kind of turn up and down, and you can put things inside that float. And they're they're almost like lava lamps. And really what happens is when you combine dish soap and water and then baby oil, the oil and the water separate, creating these two different colors and two different textures within one bottle. So the bottle represents the piece and then the two colors inside are connected to the actual tone words that the students selected. So my my goal for them was to recreate the experience of tone from their reading by creating this bottle. And let me tell you, it was really hard. Uh, It was really hard for them. And they were laughing and goofy and starting over, making a mess. There was literally, you guys, baby oil was in so many places. I never thought I'd ever say that before. But I mean, it was just hysterical. And these bottles, you can fill them with glitter. You can fill them with little gems. We use the uh, water beads. One of my students filled her bottle with so many water beads that by the next day, the entire bottle was water water beads and there was no liquid left and it almost exploded. I mean, it was just hilarious. And so we went from this like really powerful analytical reading experience to a transformation, right? A metaphor maker experience, and then back to the why, back to the why, and then kids having to share and defend their bottles to one another. And it was just such an amazing experience that we had there. And I, I'll never forget it. I know, and they never forgot it. Um, and, you know, they just, they just kind of went with it. The, the experience was ridiculous, but that was one of the most bonding classroom experiences we ever had. And let me tell you, those kids never forgot about looking for tone shift. They became more careful and close readers after that experience in a way that I had never seen before because of that memory that, you know, I know that the Wonder Girls call it that flashbulb moment. We, we created a memory attached to a skill 
that I know stayed with them when they were reading on their own. They were looking for their tone bottle shift. Uh, and I just think it was a really amazing experience that I wanted to share with you all. So I promise to link all of tutorial things that I've used. I do not have anything clear, succinct, or uniquely mine um, to give you, but I will give you all the links that I kind of cobbled together to do my own version of this, as well as any other resources I can find to share with you in the show notes and some more makerspace ideas for ELA classrooms in the show notes, as always. If you guys have any questions, please feel free to hit me up on Instagram. You guys can find me at mud and ink teaching. I try to respond to my DMs as soon as I can. Uh, you can also just leave us a note on our email, which is brave new teaching at gmail.com. And we can chat with you there as well. If you try this in your classrooms, please, please, please take a picture and tag us on Instagram so we can see this magic in action. And I can't wait to see what you come up with with your students. All right, everyone, thank you for joining me today. And I look forward to getting back with my buddy Marie very, very soon. And we'll see you uh, next week. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye.